Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Owen the Saints podcast, your podcast dedicated to Southampton Football Club. I'm Patrick Serlis, your host, and this evening I have Jack Serlis alongside me. Jack, we've reached the end of a pretty miserable campaign. I hope your spirits aren't too sapped after another gruelling 90 minutes of Saints action. To be honest, mate, I'm absolutely delighted that the season's over. <laughs> so I think my spirits are quite high that that was the last <laughs> last game of 2021 that we'll see. Um, I think a lot of Saints fans feel the same, to be honest. Um, there was a definite feeling of let's get this season uh, done and move on to next season. Um, as you said, the end of the 2020-2021 campaign, we've just been pumped 3-0 by David Moyes when basically nothing was riding on the game for us. What Technically, I guess that's not true. I want to spend a bit of time on this podcast talking about the future and next season, about Ralph, about Danny Ings, who may have played his last game for us, about the summer window, and about who went into this fixture against West Ham with a point to prove. And I think there were a few Saints players that that was the case. And ultimately, in a 3-0 defeat, nobody came out um, smelling like roses. So I want to talk about that really more than the game itself. But let's start with the 90 minutes at the London Stadium. Get it out of the way. Another completely unsurprising Saints performance, starting well, creating the better chances, didn't take them, and then falling apart at the first sign of trouble. Ralph made a few changes for the game, of course, in goal, for God knows what reason, swapping his keeper again, bringing in Alex McCarthy, who you might remember dropped a howler at the London Stadium last year. Spoiler, he did the same again on Sunday. Nathan was there Tur- at that one last season? You were there, weren't you? Yeah. Three- Absolute shocker. I think it was that big Haller, wasn't it, up front who it was. got the goal? Embarrassing. It was 3-1, I think it was. But yeah, embarrassing. Nathan Teller, I think a few of us were surprised to see him dropped. Uh, I guess because he came on last week, scored, got an assist and looked great. We can't be having that. No, let's go with Nathan. How many times can I touch the ball with my studs, Redmond, who had the most Nathan Redmond game possible? It's like he's trying to wind me up with his performances now. I can't think of any other explanation. And obviously, Taki Minamino got another run out. His final game in a Saints shirt. As if signing all our good players isn't bad enough, Liverpool are now sending us their crap ones and contractually obliging us to play them in games for Southampton. That's quality. Really, really good business by us there. (laughs) There are other changes too. Jack Stevens dropped for Jan Bednarak. A few odd decisions from Ralph in the team sheet, and I think it's fair to say, and that continued into the game too. None more so than the substitution of Carl Walker-Peters, replaced by a little bit of good news, the returning Oriol Romeu. Jack, I've gone on there. What was your takeaway from that performance, if there even is one? I mean, what you said at the start, it was a, it was a good start to the game. I thought we started really brightly. We had the better chances, like you said. Minamino had that massive chance. Where I think Armstrong linked up with... With Ings, we went on the counter-attack, classic Armstrong run, and he, and he fed him in on the left-hand side. And I think he chose the right kind of finish. He tried to dink Fabianski, but he, just, he got it wrong. Um, do, do you think that's what it is, that we're, we're playing Minamino because we're contract, contractually obliged to play him then? Is that what you think the reason is? I, I don't know. I just, I just can't think of what other reason. Like No, but it's a good point. There, there might have been something in the clause that he had to play an X amount of games because... I can't. I mean, I, I don't think he's the issue, but I, I don't understand how he's playing. To be honest, at the I moment. don't. We discussed it a few weeks ago, and I and I kind of back then I was thinking that you made the point. I think that he's in some of our better performances. He's been yeah, part of the team. That's, that's not to say necessarily that he's responsible for those performances, but um, 
he obviously had a great start to his Saints career, scored a couple of great goals, and he does bring something to the team or has brought something to the team. Didn't offer much on Sunday against West Ham, but you could have made an argument that he was um, a player that Ralph looked to uh, to bring a little bit of quality in the final third. We'd seen that against Newcastle and against Chelsea a long, long time ago. Yeah. But you've got to ask the question now. When you've got Nathan Teller sat on the bench, he's just come on uh, in his last game and scored, got an assist, looked really, really bright. Even when games when he hasn't contributed goals and assists, he's looked really, really bright. He is obviously the future looking ahead to next season. We want to get him minutes. We want to potentially think about him as a starter and instead, we're giving minutes to Minamino, who hasn't played well for the last couple of games and won't even be at the club next season. So I can't offer any other explanation other than just to think that as part of the loan agreement, Liverpool said he had to play 10 games, 15 games, whatever it yeah. may be, or start anyway. Um, so that's that's it. I, I just, as I said at the top, it's like Liverpool sign our best players and send us him and we have to play him. It's just a joke. Yeah, it is. But anyway, back to the back to the actual game. I think we missed Shea Adams um, quite a lot today. Danny Ings looks very, very isolated, especially against those monster centre backs like Bonner and Craig Dawson. I think he he just got a little bit crowded out and his first touch wasn't right today. There were so many times he looked pissed off with himself because the ball was coming into his feet and it was kind of ricocheting off him rather than his usual Danny Ings touch where he killed it and, and played it off. So if that was the little, you know, kind of showing to Gareth Southgate to get me in, to get Danny into the squad. I definitely didn't do enough against West Ham today. Um, but we'll talk about the goals, obviously. It was just, I can pick out mistakes in all three of their goals. So, I mean, I know that West Ham team, they're a lot better than us and they deserve the win, but we don't half make it easy for teams, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were mistakes across... Um, across the defence and the midfield that really were just embarrassing. The third goal in particular. I mean, what's Jan Vestergaard doing? Not coming out to the ball, but at the same time, Jan Bednarak. I haven't seen Jan Bednarak put in a good performance for us for months and months now. Mm. And he's coming back into the team for Jack Stevens, who, again, has his limitations and has made mistakes when he's been in the team recently that have almost cost us uh, goals. I think one of them did cost us against Fulham um, a goal when Carvalho scored. But by and large, he looked pretty solid. Now, Jan Bednarak just looks completely short of confidence. So um, really disappointing to see the manner of the goals that we conceded and to concede, what, two in two in three minutes after after being pretty good for 30 minutes or so for, for one goal to go in quickly followed by a second one. How much blame do you do you lay at Alex McCarthy? Because we discussed the keeper rotations, or I mentioned the keeper rotations. Forster one week, McCarthy the next. Where do we go from here next season? It, it can't continue into next season. And I don't know what Ralph has learnt by doing it at the end of this season. No, I mean, I just wanted to yeah go through those goals. The first one, is that... Is that- my initial thought was that the ball's not going quick enough for, to necessitate like a palm out to the right-hand side. I, I genuinely think he could have palmed that in front of him and jumped on the ball. There was no pressure on him at all. It wasn't that good a shot from Jared Bowen. He palmed it straight out to Fornells on that left-hand side. I think that was a mistake, definitely a mistake. Um, and to answer your question about the keeper situation, it is a shambles. Like You keep changing your number one. Obviously, that's going to have an effect on the back four. 
you can't build up any kind of rhythm as a back five. Um, you understand how each other play. You understand where the ball, you know, when you want to roll the ball back to the keeper, where he likes it, when he claims crosses, where he punches crosses, you can't get into any kind of rhythm. We keep changing it. And I don't think Ralph has learned anything about, you know, either one of those two keepers to say they're definitely my number one next season, because like you said, they're both making mistakes. Um, the second goal, like you said at the top of the podcast, Nathan Redmond, the ball comes across from the left-hand side and I think it gets a flick from Vestergaard or, or Bednarek and it's just, he just lazily swings a right boot at it, completely misses the ball. It drops to Kufal, I think, and he just squares it to to Fulnaz who buries it. But it's just so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing how that man played 90 minutes of football. Um, <laughs> he stayed on the pitch, but it just, it was an absolute shock. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He must have some dirt on Ralph to get 90 minutes in a Premier League match. He, you knew what kind of Nathan perform, Nathan Ribbon performance you were going to get pretty early on, I think, when the ball got switched out to him and he'd, the replay came on and he's offside. The replay shows that he'd been standing with his hands on his hips about five yards offside for the whole five or six seconds of build-up. And I think it was Kyle Walker-Peters that smashed it across to him. Not a bad, not a bad switch of play. And the flag goes up and Nathan Redmond's got a big smile on his face. And it's like, what? <laughs> it was I just, just like baffling. How is well, that Premier League level? That's not even, you wouldn't even do that Sunday league. You'd get your ear chewed off by a manager if you did that. I mean, you wouldn't even do that under it. It's just absolutely shambolic play. And then he just laughs it off. And then 10 minutes later goes and swings a boot at it and costs us a goal. It's just, it's just embarrassing. And yeah. I mean, he signed a four-year deal in 2019. So what he's got, another two years left on his contract. We, we just need to get rid of him. He's just not good enough. And he's just a lightning rod for criticism among fans, I think. And I don't see what the manager sees in him. But but yeah, just get rid of him, please. Honestly, that offside one, I'll hold my hands up. And I didn't actually see the replay at the time because we had a couple of screens on watching a few of the other games. Um, didn't actually see it at the time. Subsequently looked on Twitter and saw a screenshot of where he was standing genuine first thought was this had been photoshopped and that he someone had, someone had, with good editing skills had moved him about six or seven yards to the left it is embarrassing how far to the left he is and he's got his hands on his hips he's just complete passenger he's watching the game he's not trying to affect the game he's not on the imagine if you're Kufal there you're actually laughing that this left wing is playing against you yeah. you think it's probably the easiest game he's ever ever played all season I don't think he's ever played against that kind of shocking left winger that's gave him absolutely nothing to do all game it's yeah it's really really cool it's just I mean Mind how bad. do you how do you explain it you can't it's inexplainable so we'll just move on and he's a player that I can't I can't say he'd come in for him I genuinely he's not good enough to play in the Premier League he'd have to be sold to a championship club in my opinion and yeah. I think he'd do all right in the championship I think he'd score a few goals and he'd look, that's his level. He's just so far away from being a Premier League player and that encapsulated everything that I think about Nathan Redmond. Well, no, no energy, no fight, no drive, no nous and no ability. Well, <laughs> no. We, saw it, we saw in the FA Cup, Pat, we saw in the FA Cup when he scored two, I think against Bournemouth. Yep. Like that is kind of his level. And the embarrassing thing about Nathan Redmond, I hate to, hate to keep going on about this, but I think he's had two decent games this season. Um, 
once against Bournemouth in the Cup and he mm-hmm. also scored, I think it was against Burnley and he also set up a goal for Danny Ings mm-hmm. and he's made montages on his Instagram of both of those games. <laughs> like the whole of his Instagram is absolutely nothing this season, just a few shots of like here and there and he's got two video montages of both of those games. Thumbs it up. Says it all. Says it all. Um, let's talk about Danny Ings then um, because you, you mentioned ineffectual on the periphery of the match not the way that he wanted the season to end, obviously with aspirations of going to, to the Euros with England. I think it would be a massive surprise, even with the 26-man squads now, if he was included. We shall wait and see. He was talking to Premier League Productions before the match about his Saints future. And this is what he said. I've got a contract until the summer of 2022. I haven't really acknowledged them being transfer rumours. I've just been focused on each game and ultimately I've still got a contract here. Not the sort of quotes that fill you with a huge amount of confidence that he wants to stay at Southampton. And I think it's pretty obvious that his first choice would be to leave. Now it's just a question of does the right offer come in for him and for the club? Have we seen Danny Ings play his last game in a Saints shirt? I mean, everything you hear from Ralph seems to be quite kind of strong in the fact that he sees him being a Saints player. I don't know whether he's saying that as in next season he'll be a Saints player, but further on than that, he's not too sure. But Ralph seems to be quite, you know, strong in the mind that he will remain a Southampton player for next season. I I keep changing my mind about Danny Ings because sometimes you see him, this season's been a strange one, but he's obviously undoubtedly our best player. And on his day, he's one of the best drivers in the league but he has had his issues this season and today was not one of his best performances. I think it's just a case of will a club come in for him? And if they do and they come in at the right right money, I think if we're sure that he's not going to sign a new deal, we, I, don't, I was, I was going to say cash in, but it has to be the right amount of money because I don't think we could, we should be taking, taking less than, you know, what we, what we bought him for. Cause I think it's just a bit of a waste. We might as well just play him for one more season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we can come on to it now. I think we were going to discuss from the starting eleven today who we'd like to see in that first game of next season, who deserves and would we like to see a place for them in the first game of next season. And Danny Ings would obviously be one of them. He is our best player. On the flip side, he's had an injury hit season. I think he's had two serious injuries or or kind of multi-week absences plus COVID. Hasn't hit the heights of the season before. He is approaching the age where you, you think as a striker, he's kind of at his peak, if not heading on a downslope. That 22 goal season may end up being be, may end up being his best goal scoring season. And if you think about it from a club perspective, you want to sell your players when they're at their peak or just about to decline or even have just started declining. And I think we're at that period with Danny Ings. And a massive caveat to that is the fact that you have to have somebody lined up to replace him because God knows where we'd be um, if we hadn't had him in this dreadful run of form in 2021. I think 17 points in 2021, the fewest in the Premier League, 49 goals conceded the most in the Premier League. And, and without Danny Ings, those those stats would be much, much worse. So I'm torn. I think the money has to be right. And I think with, with a striker, the age that he is, the injury history that he's got, I think Saints will be looking for something between 
20 and 25 million and they probably would take that considering he's got 12 months left on his contract. Now, is that going to be enough for us to go out and sign a replacement? Guido Carrillo. <laughs> Get him back. Get him back. <laughs> See what he's up to. Applying <laughs> his trade back in Argentina, I believe. Um, but I, if I had to put money on it right now, I think we've seen the last of Danny Ings. I think one of the top top teams will see him as a relatively low cost option in this transfer market where I don't think teams are going to be looking to spend big, big money just because of the impact of COVID. I think finances have been hit, budgets have been hit. So I think teams towards the top of the table will be looking for options that are a little bit more affordable. And Danny Ings is not necessarily going to come in and demand a starting spot at a top six team. Obviously, he'll feel like he's worthy of one. But they play so many games. They play 50, 60 games a season. That he'll get his minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if some team came in for him and he ended up leaving. It, the body language didn't, didn't look great today. And I don't want to read too much into it. But when he came off um, with about five minutes to go, replaced by Michael Obafemi, the body language did not look good. Again, at the same time, we're losing 3-0 to West Ham. So, of course, the body language is not going to be good. I think your point there about him being a more affordable option and more realistic option for those kind of big clubs, especially in this this summer where they've been hit massively financially, is the crux of the point, really, because you've got these strikers that, you know, I know he's not in the same bracket of Harry Kane, but Harry Kane has kind of almost priced himself out of a move. He might get it, but there's a lot of clubs that are thinking, I'm not going to spend 150, 200 million on this striker. And again, not yep. the same calibre, but you do look around the Premier League and you'd be saying, all right, there is a player that scored 22 goals last season, a little bit of bit of a risk on an injury, but we know he's a goal scorer and we can get him for 20 million, for yeah. example. We can get him 20 million. He's in the prime of his career. He is someone that, a lot of clubs would definitely target. So, yeah, I mean, it would be a massive shame if this was his last game today against West Ham. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. And it's everyone talks about this summer as being massive Southampton. It becomes 15 times bigger if Danny Ings leaves the club. Yeah, and it becomes... Uh, the, the reason why it's so big is because who do we who do we have to replace him? Who do we sign to replace him? Like whether whether Danny Ings leaves or not, the, the, whether we judge that sitting here next season as the right decision or the wrong decision is going to be completely down to who comes in and replaces Danny Ings in the team. Um, so yeah, something something to watch obviously over the summer, and, and I wouldn't be surprised wouldn't be surprised if there's um, movement relatively early on that and we shall see anybody should we do else? the 1 to 11 yeah anybody else in the team so I've kind of gone through gone through the 11 and had a, had a kind of think to myself before the game about who I think would who we'd like to see in the team starting next season do you want to give me some names of players that you think okay we, we can build around this team um, so yeah well, if I just got start from start from goal, I don't think Alex McCarthy should be on number one next season. Um, Carl Walker Peters definitely right back. He's he's been one of the few shining lights of a very poor season, so very confident. I think we definitely we need a backup for him. We need more depth there as we as we do need a new left back. But he's he's definitely the best right back we've had in a long time. Vestergaard, I think. Yes, we should keep him for next season. He should start next season. Bednarak's form this this season has been really poor. 
I think his his place comes comes under massive scrutiny, and I think it's really hard to judge Mohamed Salah who playing at left back today um, and in recent games. So I'd like to see him try to form a little bit of a partnership with Vestergaard next season, and then obviously we need a left back. And as you go into midfield, I don't know about you, but I. I mean, I might have said the, the contrary on previous podcasts, but I'm not sold on a Ward-Prowse-Diallo sent midfield partnership. I think mm-hmm. just on the face of it, today we came up against Thomas Suchik and Declan Rice. Absolutely. And no physical attributes are not the, the, the main thing, but it's, I don't think Ward-Prowse and Diallo are that much better at the technical side of games to be a, to be that kind of to come up against these six foot three, six foot four midfielders. And, you know, sometimes you've got teams like Man City that have these quite small midfielders, but they're so good technically and they can spin the ball around the corner and players can't react. But we, they, they're not good technically on the ball. So I think, don't know about you, I think we need another midfielder, quite physical. Um, I know Romeo's back today, but I don't see Romeo coming back and really taking us to a new level. I think if we are no. going to try and if we are going to try and really build on this team, we need an, another new centre midfielder. Yeah, I, I think yes, we've missed Romeo, but you look back to last season, Romeo wasn't a starter for us until it was all but certain that Hoiberg was leaving, and that was at the very end of the season. Now we had a good couple of months at the start of the season. But there was a reason why Romeo wasn't starting and we went with Hoiberg and James Ward-Prowse in the middle. If we're going to go with that as our long-term midfield, I think we've regressed as a team. Yeah, exactly. We've gone backwards as a team. If we're looking at that as our, that's, that's going to save us next season. Oh, Romeo's back. I'm going to play him with James Ward-Prowse. It worked for a couple of months, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a long-term answer. And I don't think it would have worked beyond those couple of months. Um, I think Romeo is crucial to the team. I think he's vital. He's obviously great around the dressing room and he brings um, a bit of bite in midfield, but I don't think he's mobile enough and effective enough in an attacking sense. Or He's too one-dimensional, basically, and he's very good at breaking play up, but I think he's a little bit one-dimensional. James Ward-Prowse, obviously crucial to us. I do have question marks over leadership in this team and that you've got to look at the captain for that. I think it's a fantastic achievement to play, I think, the first ever midfielder to, to play every minute of a two Premier League seasons consecutively. That's Being available is an, uh, an attribute and he is the most available um, and he makes himself that way. He wants to play every single minute and he's obviously fantastic at set pieces but beyond that, I think you make a fantastic point that he physically is not up to some of the midfielders that we come up, up against. And is he technically good enough in that mid- midfield to make up for it? I don't think he is. I think he, his, his attributes are that he plays every minute of every game and he creates loads of goals from us from set pieces, which is fantastic and it's good. But there are other sides to his game that I think are, are lacking. And I don't think that's particularly controversial to say that. The same with Ibrahim Diallo. I think it's been a difficult first season for him, whether that's been with injury, coming in and out of the team, lack of form. Uh, it's not been an easy side to come into. And I don't want him to fall victim to what I think happened with a player like El Yunusi that didn't really get a fair shake. I don't think because we were such a bad team when he was brought into the picture 
He didn't play particularly well, but it's hard to shine in a team that's managed by Mark Hughes to start with. But it's also hard to shine when you're playing in a team that's fighting for its Premier League survival. So I don't want Diallo to be written off, his Saints career to be written off because of what was a very difficult last four months or so. But I 100% agree with you. Midfield is another area to strengthen. I think it's pretty low down on the priority list, unfortunately. We obviously, new fullbacks and new left back is urgent because we, we don't have a anybody at left back currently um but just defense is 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 an area and I think our center backs have potential and I think where we talk about all these goals being conceded and I think it's 49 in 2021 that comes from I think that kind of weak central midfield axis where teams can just play through us I don't think it's necessarily Bednarak and Vestergaard, although they don't help themselves at times, and Bednarak and Vestergaard for that Declan Rice goal were a shambles, but I don't think they have any protection in front of them. And and that is what Hoiberg, Hoiberg brought to the team. Yeah, I think I'm definitely not writing off Diallo's Saints career because I think you have seen in certain games, I know that Liverpool game was a massive one-off in January, but he was absolutely brilliant in midfield and you saw like the kind of qualities that he brings, that energy in there. I know we, t- we talk about James Ward-Prowse's leadership a lot and he's one of my favourite Saints players and I think he's one of our most important players but there are certain times like I just I do I do look at him when we do concede a goal when Fournell scored that second goal I'm not saying you need to be screaming at your players and you need to be doing this and that but it's it's almost head down walk back to the halfway line and rather than I, t- I just think a, a, a captain needs to show a little bit more um about him than that and mm-hmm. I just think that the partnership with him and Diallo is is not the one I think that is definitely something we like you said it's not going to be high up the list but I think if we are going to progress um, we do need another midfielder in there and then going on from that Stuart Armstrong best best Southampton player mm-hmm. <laughs> probably is one of our best players so need to keep hold of him I'm sure he will we signed a new deal recently Nathan Redmond can go to League One Danny Ings spoke about him and then Minamino I mean there's been a lot of chat this week about I did read some things saying we're speaking to Liverpool there might be a potential another loan move there so see what happens but he's definitely not he's shown glimpses but he's, he's not set the world alight has he? No absolutely not I mean I wouldn't it would it wouldn't excite me at all if we brought him back for another season on loan I think our, our issues are in kind of defensive aspect. I think if we if we do keep Danny Ings, and I think it's a massive if, I'm, I'm not expecting it to happen. Him and Jay Adams will score goals. The problems for us, I think, are in that central area, defensively particularly. I mean, we conceded how many goals? 68 goals this season. Uh, the most we've ever conceded uh, in a Premier League season. Uh, it's just... That's it's a shocking, shocking stat. That is a shocking stat. Most ever. Um, I've conceded more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most more than any other season in, in the Premier League. Wow, I literally can't believe that. Like, just it does just show how really, really, really poor this season has been. Yep, we just need to write off another stat for you. You've lost ten of eleven away games this year. Conceded thirty-three, scored seven. Do you remember um, how good we were on the road last season? Yeah. We were so, so good. I remember being more confident when we played away from home at St. Mary's. Yeah, it's just been just dreadful all the way around. Um, and yeah, finishing the season, uh, nine points worse off 
done last season. Obviously, last season we finished 11th, 15th. This season, still pretty soon uh, to, to kind of reflect and, and properly think about uh, what's what's really gone wrong, I guess. But Jack, where would you, how would you sum up the the, the lack of progress, I guess, from finishing 11th to finishing where we've finished this season on 15th? Well, I saw a tweet from Archer's Road End saying that you know, if we won today, we would have finished 12th. And they were just saying that they're glad we didn't finish 12th. And I completely agree with them because we it would have massively papered over the cracks if if we did get that win today. And we would have gone our oh, 11th last season, 12th this season, a bit similar. It's been such a big drop off, in my opinion. I know we started off the season very well this year, but the large majority of it, has been absolutely awful and I've just not enjoyed watching Southampton. You know, under Ralph, we've had some great games. We've had to, we've beaten some big teams and I, I've enjoyed the football. This season, I kind of turn up and it's I find it difficult to kind of get behind the players. There, there is players that I really like in there, but you just see their kind of attitude and it looks like they don't really care about the team that much. So I think there's just massive problems within the club at the moment and the way that they go out and play. I'm just not enjoying watching the football club at the moment. So in terms of the season as a whole, just what everyone said, it was a brilliant start and we carried on from Project Restart where we were just, you know, playing teams off the pitch, but it was just unsustainable, I think. And something went wrong, confidence got shot to bits and from there just couldn't couldn't get the dressing room and everyone almost lost their heads really. And one defeat turned into two, three, four and... Again, it, it, you just need someone in that team that's going to kind of grab the games by the scruff of the neck, grab the changing room, really sort it out. And it just looked like everyone was kind of looking at each other and no one did that. And Ralph didn't really know what to do. Probably he's never been in this situation before. He's definitely made his made his mistakes this season. Um, but I think the whole team has to really, really look at themselves and think, did we really show enough fight? this season it's been difficult no fans there but there's not an excuse what about, what about yourself well I was going to say do you expect Ralph to be Saints manager next season I do I do I think he signed the, the contract recently and I think if I if I had to make an assumption about him I don't think he's someone that walks away from a challenge this is such a big challenge and I think it's going to be difficult to shift some of the Deadwood players but I think he's going to definitely try his best and I think a few signings in that team in key positions. He's already been talking about, you know, signing a left back, signing a right back and doing our business early. I don't think he'd be making those kind of comments if he was already looking at the exit door. So I fully expect him to be there if if the club want him to be there, that is. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I do think the club do want him to be there. Uh, I think they've invested a lot financially and kind of emotionally in him being our manager and I expect him to continue next season. I think, as you said, he has made big mistakes and there have been head-scratching decisions, whether it's team selection or in-game management. Mentioned the substitutions today, which were a little bit baffling. But I think fundamentally the problems with Southampton Football Club stem from above Ralph in our recruitment and our ownership and the signings that we've made over a kind of four-year period and also with the players themselves that are just either not good enough or don't care or a combination of the two. Um, and it's going to be exceptionally difficult to remove the players that we need to. But 
we'll have to see what happens over the summer and, and fingers crossed they are successful in moving some of those players on and, and freshening things up because God, this club is in desperate need of a freshening up, I think, from top to bottom, really. So I thought it was interesting. We we're on the wrong end of it today, but good to good to have fans, obviously, back in the stadium. Um, and it got me thinking as well about the fact that this season has been pretty miserable for everyone, really. Um, I've not enjoyed watching the games on TV, missed... Obviously, the games themselves have been pretty sterile with no fans in the ground. And it's just kind of washed by, really, with with not too much joy. And I think that's what we've missed with the fans not being there. So it's been nice to see them back in the ground. I think West Ham are one of the few clubs that will actually look back on the 2020-21 season with fond memories. Um, they've obviously qualified for the Europa League. Beyond that, Man City, champions... Leeds had a good season, promotion and finishing ninth. But beyond that, I think three teams, the other 17 clubs, will probably feel like this season was pretty shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, I'm just looking at the league table, I completely agree. This, this, Leeds would look at this this season as massive success for them, 59 points. They've been absolutely brilliant. Um, West Ham getting Europe is massive for them. But then you look at like, like so Tottenham and Arsenal, seventh and eighth. Everton finishing 10th after, you know, where they were at the start of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, it has been a, a really poor season. I don't know about you, but how good is it when games kick off at the same time? Yeah, I mean, it would just <laughs> need to go back to a regular... Regu- please, can we go back to a regular football schedule? Just like, let's, let's, play, let's play the games on the weekend, yeah? I'm sick of these midweek games. The, the sooner we can get fans back in the stadium, the better. And fingers crossed that'll be the case next season. Saturday, three o'clock next season. That's what we want to see. Please, please. It was a little taster today and it was great to have it back. But Jack, we will do a proper end of season recap, get a few other voices involved as well. Look back on the season as a whole, maybe give ourselves a week or two to reflect and come come back with hopefully a little bit of renewed energy looking ahead to the new campaign. But thank you everybody for listening. Jack, thank you for joining me. Nice one, mate. Speak to you next week.